We're back for the summer 21 season here in Rhode Island with the week one postgame show. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to meet the guys in a second. But first, week one featured a lot of blowout victories. No game finished within single digits. Just showing, I think, the, the uh, difference in talent amongst a lot of the teams in the league this year. But as the games go on and as the season goes on, I know those teams that are 1-0 that we think are going to be good are going to face off and we're going to see some really, really good action on the court. Let's meet the guys for the summer 21 season. We have Matt, Kyle, and Jenfrin. Again, I'm Joey. We're going to get to them in a second. But first, let's start with one of the most highly anticipated games from week one, the third time in a row these two teams have faced off, the Duyez boys and the Werewolves in week one. And the Duyez boys come away victorious by, a, again, a large margin like we talked about, 24 points. Uh, this was on court one, so we're going to go to Jenfrin first for this one. What did you see? I mean, you know, your first game in the Legacy Leagues, you know, watching the Legacy Leagues anyway and covering it. What did you see from the Duyez boys and the Werewolves that impressed you, Jenfrin? Um, yeah, so, you know, for one of my first games, I saw a lot of communication by the Duyez boys. They were vocal all throughout. Even people on the bench when they weren't necessarily in the game, they were always talking, make sure they're communicating, picking up on defense, making sure everyone knew who they were guarding. And then even then, they had the shot flying, and it, it showed they had 17 three-pointers made throughout the game. So they were really feeling themselves. And it's interesting to see how they're going to progress as the season moves forward. For sure. And we saw for the Duyez boys, is, let me put this back really quick, but we saw for the Duyez boys, you know, Vincent Volpe returning to form and John Kutu combining for 77 points for them, which was a huge win. And we saw Brian Heston on the Werewolves, uh, you know, come through and do all he could with 28 and nine, which is what he does. He's been around ever since this league started and is a four-time defensive player of the year, I believe. So, you know, too much for him to handle, but we'll go to Jenfrin really quick. What from the Werewolves, you know, did, did anything from their side, like what, what were they unable to do, which uh, led to the Duyez boys' victory? Um, simple. They weren't able to defend the line transition. A lot of people were getting rim runs, easy threes in transition, and also bad shot selection. They had someone who, could, to say it lightly, couldn't really shoot as well as necessarily someone else on the team. And he kept taking, he kept jacking up ill-advised three-pointers and mid-ranges. And when you're not getting a good opportunity and good looks, it kind of disrupts your rhythm of the flow. And then taking that back to the defensive end, there's not a lot of energy going on because of what just happened on offense. Totally. And so, you know, those two teams we know, um, they've been around a while. They always face off and they, they make playoff runs as the Werewolves have made the finals, uh, I believe. And so, you know, it's been a while. So I'm rusty on my, on my history. But the Duyez boys are the defending champions. And so they're starting off the season 1-0. Let's go to the closest game that we saw on court three, the Orcas, formerly Island Time. So uh, it's another kind of returning team, even though they're a new name, took down the Rhode Island Warriors, who used to be the bucket chasers. So, you know, hopefully you guys on court three, we're going to get to Matt and Kyle in a second, but kind of noticed compared to some of the other teams, these two teams may have kind of knew what they needed to do to win. Uh, but one team came out on top, the Orcas. Let's go to Kyle first. Kind of what did the Orcas do? which is such a funny team name. I love it. But what did they do to uh, get the win in week one? It was pretty simple. They just played shutdown defense at the end of the game. Uh, they're making the RA Warriors put up shots that they're not really comfortable with. And they were just doing God, uh, doing a good job staying underneath the rim, um, trying to do blocks on layups, slam dunks, and just making it difficult to make those easy baskets. 
Yeah, we can go to Matt. And so as far as the Rhode Island Warriors, we talked about them struggling on offense. But, you know, anything else from that game that, you know, you think led to – I mean, it was a semi-close game. So, yeah, what did you see from, you know, the Warriors and the Orcas? I just saw from them – I saw the Warriors just not turning it on until the third quarter. I thought the Orcas came out – uh, with so much more energy led by guys like Kendall Gillins and Dexter Liu, who I had the privilege of interviewing after the game. They came out with a whole lot of energy. They combined for uh, 22 points. And as I'm looking here at the at the scoreboard, at the um, box score, the Warriors, they only got more than 11 points in the third quarter uh, with 17, while the Orcas were consistently getting to that double-digit marker throughout the game. So I thought the story of that game was really the consistency. That's what helped the Orcas pull the way at the end. And if it wasn't for that strong third quarter from the Warriors, I think this game would have been much more of a blowout. Hmm. Crazy. I didn't see this one. And so I know these are two teams that I know, you know, will get better as the season goes on. And I think that's a huge thing in week one, too, that I want to touch on really quick. Some of the teams that have been here before, you know, versus some of the teams that haven't played as much and aren't as experienced. We'll get to more on that, you know, fact in a second. Can't believe I'm doing this. I'm talking about the Mambas not as the last game of the night, and I'm allowed to give them shots because there are a lot of people that I know, but they did go winless. They made this one interesting on court three, so we're going to keep it on court three. The 9 o'clock game, the Ozone boys win by 15, and I heard it was a late run, and it got a little, little interesting. You guys tell me if I'm right or wrong. We'll go back to Matt first on this one, but it is the Ozone boys, 69-54 over the Mambas in week one. But uh, kind of tell me what happened in, in – uh, how it was, you know, how it finished a 15 point game. That was, that was a really uh, exciting game. I was on the, uh, the scoreboard and people were talking to me out oh, last two minutes, just got to let it run. But then all of a sudden uh, the, the, um, the mom started hitting a lot of late threes. Uh, it was number 24, Nick Bittner. He hit like two or three threes in a row. And I, I heard the ozone, ozone, ozone boys bench saying, yo guys, what are you doing? We were winning this game by 20, almost 30. That was a really exciting game. Last game of the night. Um, two teams full of youth, high school, college kids. There was a lot of running up and down, fast pace, a lot of dunking, alley-oops, things like that, three-pointers. I thought that was a good game to cap off tonight. whole lot of energy, gave, gave off a lot of real college basketball vibes. You know, the first two games before that were, you know, some older gentlemen. It was a little, a little bit slower, <laughs> slower pace, nice. slower tempo. Be nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <Older>. no. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that last game I thought was uh, really exciting, just – kids just going at it. it seemed like a pickup game really and then Kyle we'll go over to you so what kind of let's focus on the ozone boys here they were able to get the win they did control most of the way what did they do to get that control uh they were simply just having fun playing basketball a lot of things that I just saw is that they were just alley-ooping into each other and they didn't have great communication so like every time that they threw an alley-oop to each other or like a good pass back out for a three they were just able to convert it because of that communication and just taking advantage of the, uh, the wide open man on defense. For sure. And now I want to go to kind of like we talked about, and, and I know I'm going to be biased here. We're going to get to the halfway crooks. It's not often that my team does actually win from what we've seen recently, but hopefully we're going to kind of change that. Um, but the halfway crooks, and I think kind of what I talked about before the last game, this was one of those games and I'll let Jennifer get on this in a second, but halfway crooks win, you know, 92-66, but from, you know, being a part of it, one team kind of having a lot of experience, and I'll kind of get into that after I let Jenfren go, versus the other team who have some players that have played in the league and ball don't lie, but not as many. And you kind of saw that, I think, stylistic uh, difference. Jenfren, what did you see from the halfway crooks and ball don't lie? 
Uh, yeah, you know, from Halfway Crips, I saw a lot of experienced people playing together, and they seemed like they had a lot of chemistry going together. Like, even yourself, you know, you were able to make the extra pass, and everybody on your team was making the extra pass. Someone would get a, give up a good shot to get a great shot. I've seen a lot throughout, a lot of vocal leaders, a lot of people were able to make shots for other creative plays for everybody else. Whereas on the other team, it was kind of like a two to three man show, if you want to put it lightly. You didn't really see a lot of, just a lot of ISO ball, a lot of people wanting to take over, and just a lot of people playing for themselves rather than for the team. Yeah, and let's touch on, I'll, I'll get to the chemistry in a second, but, you know, the size difference, I think, was a huge, was a huge thing as well. Um, you know, Brandon Sweeney, 27 and 10 for the Crooks. And so, you know, being the biggest player that on the floor, ball don't lie, wasn't really ever able to stop him. And as far as the chemistry, this is kind of two teams combined. So it's a team, boom, shakalaka, that, you know, played their last game and had played in every season before this one uh, in the Rhode Island League. And so Mark Belleville, Brandon Sweeney, and a couple of those other guys all knew each other from that. And then you had the halfway Crooks, Hanson, myself, and Dylan, um, you know, having played again in every season together. And so it's putting two teams together. So it's awesome, especially for when it's my team, I get to be biased that it looked like we had chemistry. Um, I will take that for sure. Uh, wins a win in the legacy leagues. Trust me. Uh, a lot of the players, when they get that, yeah, you're just happy to win. Um, Cause it is not easy. Let's get two of the bigger, let's get two, two of the bigger blowout games uh, here. Let's go back to uh, court three. We'll start with good. You and we'll save lob city for last, but Goodyear takes care of the Stampede 103-45. Uh, we'll go to Kyle first on this one. Goodyear, let me just give you some background. The runner-up from last year played the Duyez boys in the finals, and so made it all the way to the finals. Uh, and uh, what did you see from Goodyear that impressed you, Kyle? Uh, they really want to go back to the championship again and actually get it because they were just lights out. They won on a 20 nothing run at the beginning of the game, and they're all uh, Hendrickson kids. They used to play basketball. You could tell that they already had chemistry together. Uh, an interesting thing that I did like is that they always switched out four and four. So uh, they would always have a fresh pair of legs to come out on the floor. Uh, different situation with um, the Stampede because they only had six players. So only two players were getting rest. And they were just taking advantage of that along with, you know, just shooting great. And let me just jump in really quick. Oh. Let's see what I did. Can I get rid of them? Yeah, cool. All right, so let me just jump in really quick. Luckily, Good U has enough talent to be able to do four in, four out, which lucky for them, right? Not, not every team, even if they have eight guys, have the talent and the depth where that's their best way to go. So we'll see if they stick with that four in, four out. I know in the playoffs that wasn't necessarily the case, but in the regular season, that's what happens, especially in week one. They want to get everybody some, some touches. Uh, Matt, you know, I know we touched on Good U, but we can keep it short on them. What'd you like from uh, from Good U? Yeah, I mean, you and Kyle briefly just touched touched upon what I was going to talk about was really the depth. Four in, four out. They had six guys uh, that made double digits, and in each quarter they got at least twenty-two points. They just came out firing, running up and down, and you can tell they were hungry. They wanted to come out and make a statement in this game. Runners up from last year, winning by I'm doing my math right, fifty-eight points, but. Honestly, it was just a different spread of talent in that game. It seemed like the defense was shutting down um, everybody on the Stampede. I mean, Brad Allen was able to tally 17 points, but nobody else got in the double digits for the Stampede. Um, they seemed like they had more energy, you know, in better, in better shape, you know, playing fast, fast tempo basketball. 
uh, it just seemed like a really, really favorable matchup for them. And I was really impressed with Matt St. Hours, 21 points. He was really efficient, only took 11 shots and made eight of them, which extremely impressive field goal percentage. Everything seemed to just go right for them last night. Yeah, and speaking of uh, depth, that's called the transition for you guys. We're going to go to Lob City, the team that good you beat in the semifinals the last, well, two years ago, the last season. Uh, it was good you in Lob City and good you won. And so let's get to Lob City again, a team with a ton of depth, and they showed it winning 128-84 to start off the night on court one. And uh, Colin Burns is a new face. And so he led the way with 28. Jose Mercado, I can name the rest of the guys on that team. Jose, Cody, Nuri, Justin, Dub, Josh, and Greg Holt all have played multiple, multiple seasons. Jenfren, I'm, I'm sure you can echo this. You saw that that was pretty evident that that team had played in this league before, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was pretty obvious four minutes into the game when it was just dunk after dunk. And then even when it wasn't, it was crazy block on one end, fast break to an alley-oop, living, living up to their name. And it was just a lot of long passes, a lot of shots, not as many as many three-pointers. They were more of like, a, they played more inside, it seems like, all from going off of one game sample size. But they like to really attack the paint. They get, a, they get up on you defensively and they were just forcing a lot of turnovers and Similar to the other game, to the Werewolves, the other team really didn't have a lot of options. They had three good scores and also not being able to have subs. They only had four players, I believe. They only had four players compared to Lob City's had multiple subs, multiple fresh legs coming in, making contributions, people at the bench, getting their dunks, getting high energy plays. And it was just static throughout the whole game. Yeah, and Sin City is formerly the Boston Blazers, partially, with a lot of new faces. So that team, they only had four or five guys. So that'll take some time for them to get, uh, you know, into the groove of things. Is that a tough, tough week one matchup against a Lob City team that is uh, definitely coming, uh, you know, and is one of those teams, I think, to keep an eye on. Duye's boys, good you, Lob City, for me right now. And if I'm missing someone, I'm sure I'll be told on Twitter that I am. But I think those four teams, yep. I'm sticking with it. Uh, those, those three teams, sorry, Goodyear, Duye's boys, Lob City are the three I think we're going to be talking about kind of in a tier of their own, and we'll see if anybody can knock one of those guys off come the playoff time. Before we wrap it up, because that's our six games for week one, I'm going to go down the line over here with the gentlemen, and we're going to take their week one takeaway. All right, so I'll put Kyle on the spot first. We'll start with Kyle. Just what thing in general did you take away from your first week of uh, Legacy League's action? super fast pace uh, a lot of the teams are still getting used to it now that this is our first game back in two years uh getting used to the eight foot rims just just a lot of chemistry stuff um staying in shape getting back to the playing 40 minutes worth of basketball um i think once they start getting used to it i'd say at least by the third week they'll be fully back into it and they'll know what to expect especially from each of the teams that that they are playing for sure matt yeah what's your uh week one takeaway. I would say that everyone is happy uh, to be there. <laughs> you know, when I walked in uh, as an intern, I was immediately, obviously there were the nerves, but I was immediately excited uh, when the game started because it's good to watch a game where both, both, uh, all 10 players on the court or eight players, I should say, are all into it. Highly competitive, fast paced, like Kyle said. But when I was interviewing uh, Dexter Lou, he was just saying how happy he is to be back out there competing because these guys just want to play basketball for as long as they can. And it was fun to just see them go out there and have a good time. I'm excited uh, for next Tuesday. 
Yeah, says the so Matt's the one who's going to keep bringing up age. People want to play as long as they can. <laughs> these guys are old compared to these guys. So, all right, good. We're going to keep an eye on that from Matt. Jen, from your week uh, one takeaway. Um, you know, a lot the games I've seen were blowouts, but even despite this differential and score, people were still very loud. They were still very serious about the game. You know, a lot of trash talking going on back and forth. Well, a lot of times throughout, I saw multiple instances where a person on the bench would become bigger than they were on the court just because their voice grew so much louder and seemed like they had real estate in some players' heads and it <laughs> echoed throughout. Yeah, and so let me just say it was super, super nice to see everybody back out there. And I looked around around 7.45, 8.15, kind of like when, you know, most of the teams were still there. There was kind of the switch between, you know, the first and the second game. And you look in those stands and they're, you know, pretty full for a rec league. And I think I can get some head nods from all the guys. I mean, court three, maybe not so much, but I, I mean, there were still, I know still people down there, but court one with people walking by from court two. And so, you know, that's, uh, that's what we like to see for sure. A lot of uncertainty coming into this. Are we going to need masks? You know, can there be fans, all that stuff. And it felt exactly like it did two years ago, to be honest, which is cool to kind of be right back at that with the legacy leagues. And so guys, very good job. We'll, we'll wrap on that. Week one in the books, we got, I, let's see, I'm a commissioner, I don't even know how many weeks I got, seven regular season games, and then every team will make the playoffs in our condensed season this year, but again, just happy to be back, thanks for tuning in, and that's the week one postgame show.